Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared, and your host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B, SaaS, and cloud thought leaders, executives, investors, and people just like you to discuss the metrics and benchmarks they use to make metrics-informed decisions. Now on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics Measure Up podcast. Today, we are joined by Bill Bench, operating partner at Battery Ventures, former chief revenue officer at Pindo, and the initial senior vice president of global sales at Marketo. Today, we'll be covering three main topics with Bill. Number one, the role of metrics for a chief revenue officer. Second, the top metrics that really matter to a CRO. And third, a little more detail on lagging versus leading indicators. Bill, please take a moment to give a brief overview of your journey to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Yeah, you bet, Ray. Thanks for having me join you in the podcast. I'm always excited to talk about this topic, and I think it's become really much more relevant in the last several years. I think the use of data and high metrics has really grown in its usage among sales leaders. But um, stepping back, I'm a uh, 29-year software sales vet. The last 28 of those were all in software companies. The first half of that was big billion-dollar companies where I like to say I got my training, I got frameworks, I got foundations. And then uh, I made the leap, like a lot of us do, into trying my hand at small software companies. The first one I joined uh, was a company that failed and uh, made me really question whether uh, the small business startup world was fit for me. And then uh, the second one I went to was this magical journey called Marketo that I joined and stayed on with for nearly 10 years and went from you know a couple hundred thousand dollars in ARR through taking it public and then eventually selling it to a private equity firm. Um, just an incredible journey and ride of seeing a bunch of stages of startup world. And then um, I used that experience to go to another early stage startup, a company called Pendo, which was a really great, great run, a really fast three-year, very similar look and feel to Marketo on its growth rate. And the commonality that both of those companies had is they both were invested in by a firm called Battery Ventures. So over a decade or so, I formed a really good relationship with the battery team. And as I came out of Pendo and was debating what was going to be next for me from a career perspective, the idea of me joining the organization as an operating partner, a little different than a general partner. General partners have a checkbook and go find the investments and sell the value of what battery does to their portfolio. For me, I come in when those investments have been made and help the portfolios go through their growth stages and think about and anticipate how they're going to scale. Great. Well, I think we're so fortunate to have you on the Metrics of Measure Up. And the reason I say that is I was at a Sastra event a couple of weeks ago. And Bill, your session on metrics for CRO at Sastra was standing room only. And it warmed my heart. And I'm like, wow, I know that metrics are really important now because they're standing room only at Sastra to see you speak. So let's step back, open the aperture a little bit on this perspective and allow you to describe the role of metrics and our CRO's success. Yeah, as I mentioned in my first comments there, I've been in the software biz for 30 years and watching it go from this kind of what I call lead from the gut, shoot from the hip, 
way of making decisions around the sales world to evolving to something being much more data centric. I mean, you know, it started at first with data and it was all on SQL, but SQL, you need to have skills to access it. So it was hard, but it seems like in the last five, maybe 10 years, there's been a number of biz tools, productivity tools that have come out that have erased that gap that you need to be technical to be able to go get data. And I think it's making sales leaders today, marketing leaders today, much stronger in their role. They can measure the efficacy of their business so much greater now, which is kind of ironic because if you think about all the functions inside of an organization, sales is normally the most metric, the most black and white, like you made quota, you missed quota, whereas other functions are harder to give an estimate of you know what level of success they're having. Sales has always been that way. But the ability for the sales leader is improving so much more on being able to measure the inputs that go into what's going to yield the outputs of the results that they actually deliver. So let's talk about your own personal journey. So, and we'll we'll stay away from the really big billion dollar plus, right? So, VP of Sales when you first started Marketo, right? Then all the way to the SVP of Global Sales, then CRO at Pendo, and now an operating partner. How is your own? I won't say appreciation, but utilization of metrics grown over your own journey? Have you changed the metrics you look at? And have you changed how you make decisions based upon what they tell you? Well, completely. I mean, I think if you go back to 2008, when I was joining Marketo, I think it was very typical for a VP of sales candidate to come into a company and they probably asked the CEO a few questions. What's your average sales price? What's your average sales cycle? What CRM do you use, right? Like those are the questions. Whereas today, it is so much more sophisticated. I think a sales leader coming in in that situation today is probably asking, tell me about your demand gen efforts and the split of inbound versus outbound versus partner-led business. Do you have a, a sales-led motion? Do you have a PLG motion? And if you think about those questions right there, they're all defined by data, right? PLG is all about how many people come to your site and download, how many activate, how many move from free to paid. It's all data steps in a supply chain. And so today, the VP of sales that's entering a company is asking a lot more than just, you know, hey, what's your CRM and what's your average sale price? They're asking a lot of things that I think are a lot more detailed around how the business actually functions and trying to get their arms around what the process flows look like. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper into this for our listening audience, because I love some of the specific metrics you talked about at Sastra. But metrics are also dependent upon stage of company. So let's kind of start with, if you have someone less than a 10 million ARR company, what are the top three to five metrics you think a CRO should know inside and out, back of their hand? Great question. I, I was on a stage about six months ago, and I was asked a similar question of, what do you think of from zero to 100 and what's different from 100 million and above? But I think there are some more finite stages in there. Zero to $10 million, you're, I think, simply looking for number one logos. And to me, Ray, that doesn't matter if you're an SMB-focused company or an enterprise-focused company. Coming out of the gates, you need paying customers, someone that's committed by signing on the dotted line. And that, to me, is a logo. And the, the value of a logo is it not only gives your sales team confidence that they can close a deal, but it gives your implementation team experience of turning a customer on and enabling them. They're then giving that feedback back to product of this is what people were asking for, what they want, what they're using. Product then starts making adjustments, feeds that down to marketing, and then marketing starts changing their message and how they train the sales team. So it's this big circle of life 
in the business world. But that said, I think logos is the number one. Number two, what's the average contract value? And number three would probably be the average sales cycle. I think too many people underinvest in understanding the average sales cycle and the importance of that. Got you. So like that you narrowed it down to the top three. Now let's open that up a little bit. Let's say, you know, 10 to 20 up to 50 or 100. Pretty broad range there, right? And we're talking about a CRO now, not a VP of sales. What are some of the new metrics that are introduced to help you, almost your guidance system to scale to that next 50 or $100 million range? Yeah, two things. So once you go above, I mean, it's probably less than $10 million, but once you're of some level where you have multi-year deals going on, the NRR metric becomes really important. When I started at Marketo in 08, that was a much lesser used metric. Everybody just really looked at like, what's your ARR and what's your growth rate? That's what you were evaluated on. That's what your value was created against. But um, that's changed where now I think ARR growth rate and NRR are the really important ones that you think about. In addition to that, you know, I fundamentally think a CRO role, you can define a CRO a lot of different ways, but I think a CRO's role is to anticipate, right? That person shouldn't, if they're properly cast, be the alpha salesperson or the alpha marketer or the alpha you know customer person. They should have people that work for them that do that. And that's the job of the CRO, which means that the CRO's job is to be predictive. Um, this brings us full circle to the Saster talk. They have to be looking at metrics that help them anticipate because in my mind, Ray, a CRO's number one partner is the CFO. And why? Because if a company's on a growth rate, the CFO needs to start predicting what's going to happen next quarter, next six months, next 12 months. Why? Because it's going to match up against your business plan of your hiring and what you're doing. And I mean, hiring, not just sales reps, but hiring developers and finance and marketing, all the other portions of the team of the company as well. And then if the company becomes public, obviously it's critical that the CRO is feeding the CFO the information on how to give guidance to the street. So when you ask what the key metrics are, to me, it's it's mostly things around the pipeline and about quota capacity. Those two areas are really critical, I think, for a CRO to get their arms around because like I said, they're they're managing in a CRO definition of where you put marketing, sales, and CS, they're managing that whole upfront handoff of marketing to sales, which is the common language is pipeline. And so being able to anticipate that, and then, like I said, capacity, capacity to be able to sell the right amount of customers and the capacity to service the right amount of customers. Yeah, we're going to double click on the predictive nature of some of these metrics in just a minute, but you open Pandora's box for me. So I'm going to jump into it with you. What is the definition of what a CRO is? Because honestly, based on some of the benchmarking research we do, it's varied as far as what responsibilities they have. What do you think, Bill? How do you define a CRO? Yeah, I think, first of all, just across the SaaS software industry, there's been a fair amount of title bloat that's happened at every role. So, I mean, it seems like today a frontline sales manager is an RVP. You know, in my world, when I grew up, managers managed individuals, directors managed managers, and VPs managed directors. So, and then senior VPs or EVPs managed VPs, right? It seems like that's collapsed, like a lot of things have. And so it's hard to give a specific definition of a CRO, but in one man's opinion here, one point of view is the word revenue is the middle letter. And that to me is what really defines what the CRO is. To me, revenue is three things, Ray. It's new business, it's expansion business, and it's renewal business. It's three things with a dollar sign on it. And to me, anybody that has the CRO title should own those three things. 
And regardless if that spans across sales and sales and CS, it should have those things. When you throw marketing in there, there's pipeline dollars, but there's not closed dollars associated with it. But marketing is, you know, I have a marketing degree and I worked for a marketing software company for 10 years, but I wouldn't call myself a marketer. It's a really, really different animal. And it's, it's a really challenging group to understand and lead. I loved your frame around R, revenue. That means acquisition, expansion, retention. I'm actually very aligned with you on that. But now let's go back to the predictive nature of metrics. So what you've done historically, hopefully you have some indication of what you're doing in the future. And then you mentioned pipeline. So are there metrics that are pipeline-centric, like pipeline coverage ratio, et cetera, that you've seen really help to say, well, to get to 20 million of ARR next year, I need this much pipeline. Is it pipeline coverage ratio or is there another metric, Bill? Yeah, it is pipeline coverage metric. I I have this conversation with a lot of folks, which is if you were a $1 million ARR company last year and you grew to 5 million this year, it means you added a net $4 million. To create that $4 million of closed business, if you use a standard sales benchmark of 3X, it means you created 10, 12, $14 million. And so the next year you say, wow, we're on a great tear. We grew 500% last year. We're going to try and grow 300% this year. We're going to go from five to $15 million. That means you're going to add $10 million of bookings in the, the year. That means you're going to have to create 30 plus million dollars of pipeline. Let me tell you, the act and the cost of what you need to do to generate 30 million versus the 12 million you did last year is tremendously different. So I do think that that's a critical metric to pay attention to for that reason. And as a, as a CRO, let's talk about the top of the funnel and a cause of great friction sometimes between the head of marketing, head of sales. And that's the, okay, I've got this marketing qualified lead, or if you're account based, a marketing qualified account to the sales qualified lead to the sales qualified opportunity. Number one, are those conversion metrics something that a CRO should be interested in? And do you think they're good ones? It's a great question on should they be interested in. Of course they should, because I think a, a properly functioning CRO should be able to look across the entire span there. The nuance that I like to talk about there, Ray, is this. As a VP of sales, the sales leader, what I think about is clearly deal strategy, challenges and pains that our product can uniquely solve value messaging, value delivery for our customers, pricing, running a cycle, negotiating it and closing it, right? The marketer, do they think about that every day? Well, sure, it's in their head because they lead up to it, but they're focused on what? They're focused on a lot of things, product marketing and creating that messaging that our sales team delivers. They're thinking about demand generation. They're thinking about brand and analyst relations. They're thinking about corporate marketing and websites and things like that. So two different worlds. The commonality of those worlds where they come together is in one thing, and it's in pipeline. So MQLs and SQLs, is that a marketing thing? Is it a sales thing? It doesn't really matter. I personally believe that marketers should be measured on pipeline generation. And we know, Ray, that marketers don't own all pipeline generation. You have partners that create pipeline. You have sales teams that create pipeline. Today, you might even have your website creates pipeline by a product-led type of motion. But I think that marketers should be held accountable to the entire pipeline number. And the reason is this, the why behind it is this. Salespeople, when they're selling a deal, they don't sign their own orders and get their own commissions paid, right? It takes someone outside the organization 
that they've done a cycle with, that they've convinced and demonstrated some value that they're going to send some money your way. And for that matter, I don't think that marketers should essentially get the chance to grade their own homework, right? Like, hey, we're going to we're gonna create this many MQLs or this many visitors or this type of thing. They set the goal and then they deliver the goal. That just seems odd to me. It seems to me that there's a metric that brings sales and marketing together, the intersection of sales and marketing to me is pipeline and talking about that. And look, like that's a controversial comment. There's not a one size fits all, I know. But the reality is, is that it is the one area. And, and you'd be surprised, Ray, like I see a tremendous amount of board decks where John Miller from Marketo, one of Marketo's founders, he used to have this great saying, I think he, he wrote about it, that like, you know, the old book, men are from Venus and women are from Mars, that like he had this marketers are from Venus, you know, sales is from Mars, kind of the, the divide between the two groups. I think there's an interesting idea around that, that if you're over there speaking your language and in your area, and I'm over here speaking my language in my area, we're not combined. And so back to the board decks, you'd be shocked. I see these board decks where there's all this incredible data that the marketers created and all this incredible data that the sales leaders created, but they're not talking, they're not interlocked together. And so that's why, like I said, I'm just a big advocate. I'm not calling out marketing in this. I'm just saying that I think that marketing and sales should have a shared metric in its pipeline. I'm going to give you a hot take question. And I asked this to John Miller when he was a guest on the Metrics of Measure Up podcast. And I know that John believes that the CMO should co-own the pipeline goal, qualified pipeline with the CRO. What about ARR, the closed ARR? Should the marketing leader feel they also co-own that number? I think they certainly have an impact on the ARR. If the question is, should you give someone in marketing a comp plan? That's probably a step too far for me because number one, like what if you're an enterprise sales company and it takes you nine months to close a deal? You're telling me that someone in marketing did something maybe 12 months ago and then a year later they get some kind of small bonus. Do they even tie the small amount of the bonus to what they did a year ago? I don't think so. So I think it's a step too far, but I do like that mindset. I do like the mindset that, you know, sales isn't the ultimate owner of who signs their deals. Marketing likewise shouldn't be the ultimate owner of, you know, what their metric of their, what they're paid on is. I think it should be some shared metric inside the company and pipeline is the right one in my mind. Yeah. I'm going to give you an analogy though, because you said it about five or six minutes ago, a CRO should own net revenue retention, NRR, even if they don't own customer success. But if you don't own the actual renewal process, you still think a CRO should be at least somewhat measured by NRR. Is that correct? No, let me restate. I think okay. the CRO should own the NRR process. I, CS is, is also a nebulous definition, right? Like you have some CS teams, they're defined as the team that do the enablement, that do like tech support, documentation, things like that, the customer servicing of the account but not necessarily the renewal or the expansion element. So for me, like I said, if I looked at an opportunity as a CRO and they said, well, there's a different person that owns the expansion or owns the renewal and they don't report to you, I'd be hesitant about saying that I'm a CRO in that case. I'd say like I'm a vice president of sales. So that person that's looking at that job would have to choose. Do I want to be a CRO or do I want to be a VP of sales? That's a really important clarification. In your mind, a chief revenue officer should own the customer retention and expansion motion also. They should, but really importantly to add to it, Ray, I do think that once like going back to stage is important. Once you get to 50, maybe 75 million in ARR, I think it's really hard for the, like a lot of companies have this model where there's like a CRO 
And underneath that person's a CMO, a chief sales officer, and then a chief customer officer. I think it's really hard to have a chief customer officer above like $75 million reporting to the CRO. I think it has to go up to the CEO. It's it's hard in my mind for the CEO to be two layers. Even if you've got a really well-functioning organization where like, you know, uses skip level and stuff, to not have the chief customer officer reporting to the CEO above 75 million to me is a, a strange work structure. Makes total sense. Okay, now we're gonna talk a little bit about this concept of lagging indicators and leading indicators. But I spend a lot of my time benchmarking B2B SaaS companies on some of their revenue efficiency and those metrics that drive enterprise value, things like CAC payback period, CAC ratio, net revenue retention, gross dollar retention. Do you think a CRO should be the person who owns presenting those revenue growth efficiency metrics to the board, i.e., should they own CAC payback period? Should they own the CAC ratio or sales magic or SaaS magic number? Okay, got a caveat it again, Ray, that this is one man's opinion. All right. And uh, and there's plenty of room for more opinions out there in this world. I think that net dollar retention for sure, based on what we just talked about, but things like CAC payback period, lifetime value, rule of 40. That's probably in my mind more of the CFO's role because I mean, like I'll speak candidly as a VP of sales, as a CRO, did I care about those? Certainly I'm an executive in the company and I want those metrics to be successful, but I don't control them all. I mean, how many developers you hire affect things like the rule of 40 type of stuff is going to be affected by how many developers. And so it's one of those things that I certainly paid attention to, and I certainly wanted them to do well. And look, I'll raise my hand to do my part to improving those metrics. But at the same time, I also didn't have 100% ownership of those things. So they're hard things for me to say that I should be reporting to, whereas the CFO has all the all the horses in the race, if you will. So I think it's a, probably an ideal one for that person, that person, that role to be presenting. That's fair. And honestly, Bill, even though you're one person, you're one very successful CRO and it's B2B SaaS. So I think your opinion holds a lot of weight, at least it does to me. So if you don't think they own some of those CFO-like metrics that we just talked about, if you'd say, okay, you are the CRO, you need to build a reputation not only with your CFO and CEO, but also the board. What are those three to five metrics that when you walk into a company, you're going to say, I'm going to measure, I'm going to own, and I think people should understand the progression of those performance metrics over time. Yeah, I, some people heard me talk about this, but I, I have a core data slide that I think belongs in every board deck. Now, Ray, I'll start here that a board deck is a backwards look at something, right? So we'll get to the leading in a second. And that backwards one, I like to build out a slide that has all of the core metrics that I think a company wants to track. Obviously, you're going to look at like ARR, and number like so the way i build this out is i have a column with a bunch of the metrics i'm tracking and then i want to look at it of the last quarter and then the last four quarters before that because i want to be able to see in one screen basically year over year comparisons and then the trend across you know if i did something q3 of last year what q4 then q1 then q2 then this last q3 looked like i want to see that all in one spot and so i think the standard things that most people look are are things like arr acv the average sales cycle, the number of new logos that you close in a quarter, the new versus existing split of the business that gets more important as you get to be a more mature company because you probably start gaining more expansion business. The ARPA per customer, those are some of the key things that I think every company should look for. And then like depending on the type of company you are, 
you might have some other things that are important. Like you might have some number of companies in a specific industry vertical versus horizontal. You might want to split things by geography. You might want to split things by size of deal, like number of deals over a million dollars. If you do million dollar deals, if you do over hundred K deals then number of deals over hundred K things like multi-year contracts, things like that might be some other metrics, but that's kind of a nice backward look that like I walk into a company and say, this is something we need to look at in the board deck. And then likewise, we need to build a dashboard. And the value of dashboards is you look at things every week, and this is where you can start catching things. And I'll give you a real world example. A lot of companies source their pipeline from three main sources, their sales team, their marketing team, and through partners. And if you look at things only on a quarterly basis, you can't catch a trend. And this is why, like I said earlier, the time element is so underutilized, not just in average sales cycles, but in looking at your data and looking at things weekly is so, so uber critical to me because if you see that you're four weeks into a quarter and you have some comparisons of what your pipeline from partners was last quarter, and you're trending at 50% of that rate one month into the quarter, I can tell you, you're probably going to set up for a pretty tough quarter, right? It's telling you that something's off. And if you're just waiting for the end of the quarter to build your board deck to look at that metric, that's just totally lagging and backwards looking. So to me, I think about building dashboards and you ask some specific dashboards. I think you saw me present at Saster. I have one that's my all-time favorite and I call it the Mojo metric. The Mojo metric is just something that I, as a sales leader, looked at daily. It was something that I presented to my executive team weekly daily for me because I could action things in the week. Weekly was enough for the executive team. But the Mojo metric was made up of six real key things, which were amount of new pipeline created. So yesterday I had $0, today I have 25K. That's 25 plus. Number two is deals expanded. Yesterday I had a 25K deal, it became 50K today, or I had a 25K. And then deals pulled forward. So I had something sitting in Q1 and I pulled it here into Q4. Those would be three things I would look at on a daily basis. And then I'd put a big minus sign. And then I'd look at three other things. And you can guess where this goes. I'd look at deals killed. So yesterday I had 25K, today it's zero. Deals shrunk. Yesterday I had 50, it's now 25. And deals pushed. So yesterday I had 25K in Q4, now it's pushed to Q1. And I would look at the sum of those. And I'd look at them individually, each one of those individually, so I could see what was happening. It was a big deal growing my pipeline or reducing my pipeline? Was it multiple deals that was growing my pipeline? I'd look at each one of those individually on a daily basis. And like I said, like if I'd wake up on Tuesday and I had a negative pipeline creation day, hmm, scratching my head, I'm a little worried. Wednesday, negative pipeline day, I'm getting a little more worried. By Thursday morning, I'm calling all cars. You know, I'm calling the CMO, I'm calling my sales team, my sales leaders. And I'm saying, what's going on? We're killing more pipeline than we're creating. What's happening here? What do we need to do to reverse this trend? What are we seeing out in the market? And I'm actioning behavior. And that's the importance of creating a leading indicator in my mind. So hopefully that example makes some sense. I love the Mojo dashboard. So, yeah. well, I can't believe it, but our time's almost coming to an end. I could talk to you for five hours about this, but let's get the listening audience a chance to know you a little bit better, Bill, on a personal basis through Three quick questions. What company or CEO is a must follow for a SaaS founder slash CEO, CFO today? There's a few out there. Uh, on the go-to-market side, I think Dave Kellogg does a really impressive job of helping organizations think through their thoughts. 
Also on the go-to-market side, I do really like Gong, their content. Gong's a battery-invested company, so uh, we have a relationship there. But other than that, if you look at their email subscription, like you'll come in and say seven words to never use, and they're analyzing millions of calls and giving you that data. And so every sales rep I talk to seems to be subscribed to that. At a more company level, I think Tomas Tung is of Redpoint. I think his content and his blog is really, really interesting. So those are a few that I'd recommend out there. Well, I love the fact that Dave Kellogg and Amit Bendoff, the founder CEO of Gong, have also been guests on the Metrics of Measure. So thank you for that. And Tomas, I haven't been able to get him yet, but we're going to. Okay, cool. second question. Is there an application that you think every SaaS CRO should be using? They just have to use an application like this. Sure. I mean, I'll go in categories. Obviously, you have to have a CRM. I think, you know, my background's biased here, but I think a marketing automation tool is a huge productivity driver inside of both your sales and your uh, marketing team. This may seem basic, but a document signature tool that you need to have. I think, you know, we're on a, a video conference. I think that is an absolute must have on working with your customers. I think call recording software, you know, we mentioned Gong there. There's a few others out there. I think that's really critical. And then lastly, Last licks, you know, as a leader, you know, I do rely on a lot of BI type of tools just to do the dashboarding that we talked about. So, you know, there's a zillion out there. So, you know, pick your flavor of what you're trying to specifically get. But I think that those are pretty critical ones. And then the last question, we have a lot of aspiring, not only B2B founders, but also CROs who listen to the podcast. What advice would you give a recent college graduate that his or her goal was to be a world-class CRO at a B2B SaaS company. What advice do you give them right now? It's a process to go be a CRO of a world-class company. And there's a couple of ways to do it, right? You can go up, which is I was an individual and I became a manager and then I became a manager of managers. The other way is across. And we talked about this is getting skill set in different things. I'm a hunter. My role is a new business person. Well, now I move over and I become an account manager. And now my role is to expand. Maybe I go into CS and do some work over there. Maybe I go into marketing and do some work over there, which gives me breadth. So what I, the advice I would give is think about how you want to arc your career because there's not one path to becoming a CRO of a world-class company, but there is some intentionality that I think you can demonstrate of what you are trying to accomplish in building your career. Yeah, I love that cross-functional approach. I, I think as CRO, you know, they're looking at acquisition, retention, and expansion. So the more applied, hands-on, cross-functional experience you have, the better CR you're going to be. Well, that's a wrap to today's episode. Bill Bench, thank you so much for being our guest. Killer, thanks so much for having me, Ray. And to our listening audience, if you're enjoying the guests and the content we have, like Bill Bench talking about the metrics of matter to your CRO, or Amit Vindoff, the founder of Gong, talking about how conversational intelligence is important across the entire customer lifecycle, it would mean the world to us to go ahead and subscribe to the Metrics of Asia podcast on your favorite app. Give us that five-star rating and provide us a recommendation how we can make the show even better for you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.